everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. It's finally raining after, what, eight weeks? Something that's great. Something. Uh, got a small announcement. Uh, we've decided to also cancel our bar mitzvah reception at Doral, too. So nothing's going to be happening there. Because we have a great show today. First of all, you sprinkle it on for health. Nano salad is the new wholesome hack. And if you don't know what a hack is, you're going to find out. But it's the wholesome additive that helps you eat better fast. It's a zero prep, real organic and veggie, uh, real organic veggie and fruit food that you sprinkle into any meal. And it just makes you more healthy. You get fiber, you feel good, and you live longer, I mm-hmm. think. Right? right. You need that. Good now, luck. everybody's talking about it. I heard about this restaurant, and I didn't know these guys were going to be on the show this week. Thompson Italian is in Falls Church. Uh, chef owners Gabe and Catherine Thompson, who wrote a bestseller called Downtown Italian, are in. They've got uh, uh, Sitsuma loves their food, and everybody in my office is, who lives in Virginia, we're Marylanders, has been talking about it, so we got to go. But they're in today to tell us all about it. Mm-hmm. Gordon Lamborn is an erudite, urbane-looking gentleman. He's VP of Communications at the National Restaurant Association. He was a little wet when he came in. Educational Foundation. Well, he, he, was, he was affecting the wet dog look yes, because okay. we didn't want him to think he was too erudite and urbane. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the association provides people from all backgrounds uh, with the training and education and resources uh, and career development to find pathways to meaningful jobs in the restaurant and food service industry. They've got a program that started right here in the district. We're going to hear all about that. Jenna Umbriak is director of programs for the Mana Food Center, and she's in with details about the uh, upcoming October 26th No Waste Big Taste Rescue. I feel like you're saying that wrong. It should be like No, no waste, waste Big, big taste. taste. I'm going to tell you everything. Okay. No Waste Big Taste Rescued Food Cooking Competition. We've got celebrity chefs that are going to be, and you're going to hear about what rescued food is, mm-hmm. but they've got a big competition coming up, and it's going to benefit Mana, which is a good thing. All right, and Meredith Meyer Grelli. She's it. Italiana. I like that. She's the co-founder and co-owner of Wiggle. Um, am I saying it right, Wiggle? Wiggle Whiskey. Wiggle. You got it. Wiggle. Wiggle Whiskey. <laughs> Just it's a Pittsburgh. little bit. All right, relax. You're no fun. Relax. At Have all. you been drinking the whiskey? Not yet. Already? All right. But I need it. It's Pittsburgh's first distillery since Prohibition, and she's a woman distiller, which, like our friends at Catoctin, is is still an a, an anomaly in in the in the less distilling and less business. So. Less, less and less. Less and less. So. But still, I want to hear all about that. So therein, we're going to hear about uh, Wiggle, and uh, also, you know, we're going to hear about the Whiskey Rebellion Trail too. Yes. But Feist. Debbie Moser at Central Farm Markets. Are you there, Deb? Hi, Deb. I am here. I am here. I'm dodging the raindrop. I know. It's I, a wet day at market. So huh? I know it came as a surprise. It Mitch is. told us to call you. Hi there. <laughs> yes. So, but even though it's well, a wet day at market, everybody shows up. All the farmers are there. All your producers are there. So there's no reason for everybody right. not to be there, right? That's true. And, you know, it is interesting. We get calls, are you open uh, because it's raining? And I like to remind people that farmers work in all sorts of weather. So a little rain doesn't scare them away, shouldn't scare people away. We're here. And, uh, you know, there are certain 
there are specials like up at Bethesda. We have oysters going on, and they're cooking up pancakes for breakfast. They have pancakes. And we do. Yeah, yeah. Geppetto's Catering just opened a breakfast stand, pancakes, and all sorts of good things. Mentioning uh, somebody else who's been on the, the show. Blue right, Josh Karen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, um, you know, we try to mix it up. Um, Meat Crafters started a new breakfast bowl with an egg and sausage and uh, onions and all I'm sorts hungry. of veggies. So, yeah, we're we're getting ready for the winter, um, you know, and we're gearing up for the holidays. We'll be putting out a holiday brochure soon, and all the vendors will be having all their specials in there so you can pre-order. And it's not too early to order turkeys, well, by the way. Let me no, ask, because it's been know. it's been warm up to the last day or two. Are, do you still have tomatoes from the field, or are they now the uh, the we greenhouse? Do. No, we still have no, we still have them. We'll have them probably for the next month. They're still cucumbers. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, there's lettuces and all sorts of greens. Yep, still right. coming in. So we've been lucky this year. All right, okay. tell everybody where the markets are and. We'll come see okay. you. Okay, downtown Bethesda um, at Bethesda Elementary School and Marshall High School in uh, Falls Church, Great Falls Church. Uh, come out and see us. We're here every Sunday. Excellent. Okay, thanks. thanks. Thank you. All right, okay. so let's turn right, to Meredith you. Grelly uh-huh. from Wiggle Whiskey. Meredith, uh, how did you get into whiskey? Did you have a, a rough time in high school, perhaps? Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, I, we, my husband Alex and I, Alex, um, the silent one behind he is you. Standing behind the me. The stoic, God, silent he's type. He's so handsome, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> um, he's cute. He's, he's a right. cute guy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. The man behind the woman. <laughs> Literally at the moment. <laughs> um, we both love uh, craft beverages, craft alcohol. Uh, and we wanted to do our own thing. And we wanted to do something that made sense in Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, where we live. And it may come as a surprise to everyone in the studio, but. American whiskey was born in Pittsburgh. Not if you know your American history. There you go. Um, for the less educated um, in the audience. Well, it's not in our school textbooks. I just want to say. Well, like, the, it's not part whoa, of our whoa, education. Whoa. The Whiskey Rebellion is in our textbooks mm. if you read the textbook. Mm. <laughs> Nikki mm. had other things going on. I did. I was a little she busy. She skipped the class. Yeah, <laughs> she was busy, busy drinking whiskey. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Um, so for about 200 years before Prohibition, if you're drinking in America, you're most likely drinking this rye whiskey produced in Pittsburgh called Monongahela Rye. Uh, and it was a big deal at the height of whiskey making in our region about um, uh, we were producing half a barrel of rye whiskey for every man, woman and child living in America. Mm. So big deal. And Western Pennsylvania at the time was settled by two groups, right? The Germans who were good industrious farmers and the Scots who were good industrious drinkers and the perfect. two it was like a Reese's peanut butter cup yes. like perfect pairing totally and they brought their skill sets together I like that drinking is referred to as good and industrious yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they started making this dry which everyone started to take note of including um, Alexander Hamilton who was trying to bring this young country We're back break to into song any minute now right so he's the first secretary of the treasury he comes up with the first tax in American history, and it is on whiskey, which really pisses everybody in Pittsburgh off, mm-hmm. right? Including our namesake, a guy named Philip Wiggle, who was a German immigrant at the time, so he would have called himself Weigel. But we is this where the phrase "wiggle room" comes from? Maybe I don't. We could because we could say yeah, it today. Thank you. <laughs> okay, um, but he, uh, you know, he was pretty angry about this tax. And he punched a federal tax collector that comes to town to take 
The tax, this punch, Ooh. incites four years of protests and riots that culminate when the people of Pittsburgh burn down the house of the most powerful politician in town. Um, pretty much everyone's arrested when George Washington marches 13,000 troops across the state from Philadelphia, which is at that time the capital city of America. So things have improved in some ways, right? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have to stop yep. you here. I know it's a long history. We'll yeah. get through it throughout the rest of the show. I want to know what you're going to pour first. Yeah. Today. So we brought our saffron Amaro, not a whiskey. Mm-hmm. This is an Amaro made from our brandy. So we start with apples because everything, all of the products we make, we try to make with regional ingredients to get back to this taste of place in American spirits. So we start with regional apples. We ferment them into a cider, distill into brandy. And then finish it off with a number of botanicals, including saffron grown by our Pennsylvania Dutch farmers, um, as well as chamomile and orange. Okay. All right. Pass it around. I can't wait to try it. All right. Let's talk nano salad. We've got uh, Jag. I want to say your last name is Bala. That's great. I got it. Jag Bala and Nick Moyer. Thank you. Pronounced Moyer. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Nano salad. I'm going to let you tell what nano salad is, but it it is a terrific additive and it's full of health. And I just had some more. So um, I'm going to start just explaining. Get right up just on the mic. Just move the mic right in front I, uh, of your face. You can pull Jack. the mic. Oh, sorry. move the mic right in front there of your face. There you go. go. It's radio, um, baby. Yeah, first time. Sorry. That's okay. Um, I, so uh, the history here is that uh, nano salad is a product that I would have wanted and couldn't find on the market. Um, I, like a lot of other people, have veg gaps when I'm stressed and busy. I'm not eating healthy. I gravitate towards basically— Talk to the mic. Gra- gravitate to towards <laughs> junk foods. And um, my uh, preferred junk foods are burgers and mac and cheese and hot dogs. And what I wanted was a product that would let me sneak the good parts of veggies and salads and especially fiber. Fiber is very important. We don't um, focus on it enough as a nutrient. But I wanted to be able to sneak that into my comfort foods— and to do it in a way that um, the comfort food wasn't changed much, so mm-hmm. that you couldn't really notice that it was there. So that was the background. Um, the joke here is that I'm a food ignoramus. <laughs> I am a foodie. Oh, join with, the club. I, 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 the Beast and I You're are both food ignoramus. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a foodie with two E's. I like to have food done to me. I'm <laughs> uh, not involved in the production of it. But so I didn't understand why this couldn't be done. And I, uh, in the end, I'm was fortunate to meet Nick, Chef Nick, sitting next to me here. Unlike me, he has a lot of expertise in uh, food and et cetera. And we got to talking and decided we want to work on this. And uh, Well, let's like, explain oh. what it is. Oh, okay, because, so. so, Nick, why don't you tell us about the product and what it is? You yeah. have to put the mic right in front of your face. So just, it's so, movable. Just move it. <clears throat> so I initially started messing around with... Uh, Jack had this idea. He's like, hey, I want to come up with sneaky fiber. I want to add fiber to the foods that I, you know, these... Mm-hmm you know, terrible comfort foods that I have. And so I started messing around and he suggested, hey, I want it to kind of be flakes, like red pepper flakes that I could sprinkle on my pizza, something mm-hmm. simple that I could just, you know, throw in my wallet. And I talked to the friend who is a conservator at the Smithsonian and, you know, she suggested paper because, you, know, you know, vegetable fiber is what we use to make paper. Um, and so messing around in my kitchen, I ended up uh, realizing that if I dehydrated the vegetables, um, we could save all of the fiber, get the water out, which is what most of the vegetables are, vegetables mostly are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have made, you know, this uh, additive out of food as opposed to 
all sorts of other interesting ingredients that you know the food scientists use. Uh, <laughs> this way, we were just 100% organic vegetables and fruits. And not heavily be. processed, just... No. Nope. No. And the thing that I was... Like concerned about when Nikki first, you know, gave me the sample that she sent her, you know, it was like, what, what is it going to do to the taste of my food? It just disappears. And that's what's really cool. So I let's mean, talk about percentages, nutrition percentages. What if I, you have like this? Can you hold up that packet for Facebook yeah. Live, please? Um, so uh, if you use that packet and I put it in the soup like I did today, what what are we looking at? What are the nutrition? What are we like, getting? So um, what you're getting there... You gotta speak so in the mic. The uh, dehydration process that we use shrinks the source ingredients down by a factor of about twenty. Mm -hmm. So what you're getting is twenty the equivalent of the solids of twenty times the amount of vegetables that are in the pack. Okay. So that one gram pack is uh, the equivalent to twenty grams of vegetables, cool. and um, the largest uh, size that we do, which is a three gram pack, is mm -hmm. sixty grams of vegetables, and that's basically a sizable size. So you're getting the nutritional benefits. Of Actually, I, I would say that you're not getting entirely everything but right. you're getting a substantial chunk of all of the solids and all of the fiber and much of the rest of the um well. uh, nutrients so yeah. I, I i do want to be clear the best thing to do is to eat full-size salads of course this is for the many times when you're busy rushed and you can't make yourself uh, mm -hmm. eat a full-size salad all right we need to take a quick break but when we come back we'll talk about how to sort of apply this product to your daily life this is david and nikki nellis foodie and the beast we'll be back in just a sec all right all right we're back on foodie and the beast with david and nikki nellis we're talking to the guys from nano salad nanosalad.com mm -hmm. and it's a it's it's a it's a really it's a hundred percent real food um uh, all organic that you put on your other food to really... And it's like really, little, little It's like fuel injecting your health with more health. It's, it's really Literally cool. Literally a tiny salad. A yeah. Right. tiny yeah, salad. Yeah, and I put, it on, I put it on a salad and I put it on regular food and it doesn't change it. It just oh. is there making... This is um, Chef Nick's magic here. It's hard to believe. It's such a little packet, so, but it's packed Chef, with health. can we talk about what is actually in the nano salad, what products you put in? So it is organic celery, kale apples, parsnips, and carrots. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it. Um, and was we, there a reason that you picked that variety? So I experimented with a bunch of different mixes of things. And like mm -hmm. I wanted to have greens. I wanted to have kale in there. But kale's got a strong, you know, tends to be pretty bitter. So apples and carrots are a lot sweeter. Um, parsnips tend to be relatively neutral in flavor once you, once you dry yes. them out. And celery is, you know, lots of fiber. Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of, of flavor to it. So trying to find the right mix of fruits and vegetables that would balance so that you would end up with a pretty neutral mm -hmm. taste once it's added to food. Mm -hmm. you know, with the idea that, you know, you put it into whatever you're eating. And, you know, in really mild foods, you might get some more of the, you know, herbaceous or vegetal aromas. But, you know, in a more robust something like chili, you're not going to notice that it's You're not going to notice all. it at all. I'm going to mention one tiny thing there. Um, other products that try and use kale and greens often will use an artificial sweetener like stevia. And that's a kind of industrial way to do things. And we are 100% whole food, 100% real food. Mm -hmm. We are So we balance the bitter notes of the kale with actual apples and carrots. Right. Do you work with so, certain farmers? No, it, we. that's ultimately a goal. We are still – I've been struggling to figure out how we could work with farmers to, like, really incorporate, you know, more local and – Well, know, we can seasonal, talk to you off air about that. That's seasonal right. Seasonal so we can, so we, we got them in our pocket, baby. Yeah, we we just had them on the <laughs> – Central Farm Markets is all oh, local uh, farmers. Right. Exactly, which is actually where you should be as well. Um, well, we, <laughs> We're going to help you market. Right. No, thank you. <laughs> Make um, sure everybody knows the web please. address. So it's www.nanosalad.com. Um, lots of information, videos, demos, links, and also a way to try the product 
without uh, before you buy it. So Excellent. please visit the website. What do you do, bite your computer screen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Thank yes. you all uh, for joining us today. It's an incredible product and an excellent way to uh, sort of up your health game if you're looking to do that. Um, let's go back to Meredith. So what I didn't get to say, because my husband was talking at the beginning of the oh. show, was that I had the uh, distinct pleasure of meeting Meredith and her family Back in July, when I went on the Whiskey Rebellion tour, which she totally put together, and it was so amazing, and I learned so much. But, but there's so much rich history there, which we just don't have time to get into today. But what I'd love to talk about is why 10 years ago, when there was no distilling happening in Pittsburgh, you decided yeah, this is a business I'd like to get back into or, you know, bring back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, so 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot of craft distilling in Pittsburgh and the craft distilling movement across the country was still fairly young. It was in its infancy. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and Alex and I really thought that there were some great early examples of what craft distilling could be in California and um, out of Philadelphia and some other areas. Uh, but all of those distilleries had to play the game as a large uh, producer does. So they had to produce one product and distribute it as widely as possible and as efficiently as possible. And when we looked at that model, we thought, we're never going to win that game against Diageo, right? Right. So instead, we it's have international. to- International. It's massive. Right. We have to try to change the game. So we started building out a distillery in the city of Pittsburgh, in the Strip District in Pittsburgh. Um, and at the same time, we lobbied for two years to change a law that would allow us to produce- um, sample and sell at our site. So that allows us to bring consumers in, um, allows them to learn about how we make spirits, and allows us to devote a lot more resources to innovation. When okay. we come back, one of the things, because we're going to go to the next drink, I want to hear, I mean, you've won a lot of awards. So so really, I want to hear what, what are you doing, what you're doing that's different, mm. that's making it award-winning. What are you going to pour next? Next, we have our Yenever, our Dutch-style gin. Mm -hmm. So this is a whiskey-based gin. This is how um, gin was made for the first couple hundred years of gin making before the Brits get involved and start using vodka. So it has a deep, malty, oily kind of texture from the rye, wheat, and malted barley that we use as the base. And then we complement those flavors, those rich flavors, with cardamom, lavender, cubeb berries, and of well, course, there's some There's a secret right there. Mm. Okay, cool. We Yum. can't wait to taste it. All right. So All right. now we're going to talk to two people that are not Italian that have a hit <laughs> Italian really restaurant. Which really bothers him. A couple of phonies. So you know. He's really A couple of this. fake Italiani. Um, uh, Gabe and Catherine Thompson are uh, chefs and uh, co-owners at Thompson's Italian, and Tom Sietzema loves it. And as I said before, everybody I've encountered, hey, there's my microphone. Everybody yeah. I've encountered is saying, oh, my God, have you been to Thompson Italian? So now i got to go. But why don't we start from the start? The love story and how you guys met. You wrote a, a hit book, a hit cookbook. I mean, what's with that? <laughs> okay, there's no question there. Let's there is start a, a, with, what's with that is a question. Let's do a little bit of background on how you guys both got into cooking and how you met and wound up here. Um, I've, my name's Catherine and I pretty much fell in love with food around the age of 13 and became completely obsessed with it mm -hmm. and have been ever since. And, um, mm -hmm. I went to culinary school and shortly after that decided New York was the place to be. And fortunately I met my lovely husband there. Mm -hmm. He is lovely. I fell in love with his, uh, butter lettuce salad that he made for me. And it is on our menu at cool. our restaurant. Um, it's absolutely delicious. And I fell in love with his food first and 
pretty much knew that the rest was history after that. So, but you both were in Manhattan for a while. What a charmer. Right? <laughs> you were both in Manhattan? Yeah. Yep, both in Manhattan. Where were you cooking in Manhattan? When we met? Yeah, or now. Like, well, now? I need a little um, bit of history, dude. Okay. Um, so, we were, um, I I uh, have been uh, doing this for a long time. Um, I got into food because I is, am a delinquent, and it was really the only kind of job that I could have that made sense for me. Mm-hmm. It sounds um, like the, I think that's like the chef motto, right? It's mostly, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's, yeah, definitely right. more, <laughs> more so back in the day than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was really the only thing I could concentrate and, and, and do, and, and, and I moved to New York because it seemed like the only place to go at the, at the point uh, I was at in my career in, in Austin where I started cooking. And um, worked at La Bernadette and, and, and worked at Del Posto and worked at a few other places. And um, I met Catherine through a friend. And when I first met her, I was just coming off of a, um, a, a, a divorce type situation. And um, I'm they not, happen. We've all yeah. had those. Yeah. Well, not, uh, not no. me. And I'm not, I'm not good on my own. And I met her and I'm like, man, this is the girl for me. I know this is the girl for me. And, and I, I, I kind of knew that I made a dinner. And the whole reason behind the dinner was to try to woo her into liking me. That okay. was where I made that butter lettuce salad and some other things. And fortunately, around then, a friend of ours was opening a restaurant looking for a chef. And I was like, hey, I met I this somebody. guy. And right. uh, lo and behold, we opened our first restaurant. We ended up owning four restaurants in New York City. And we were there for about 11 years. So can years. we give yes. the names of each of those restaurants? Yeah. yeah. So we opened Del Anima in 2007. Mm-hmm. And then we opened up Lartuzzi a year later, which everyone was really pissed that we opened a restaurant a year later. Um, Didn't you read the Jean George article today? He's, he opened two oh, I know. in a row. I know. I they're, mean, they're, like, they're not yeah, as, as upset George, about it now, sure. but they, they thought that we were real jerks for trying to do that. Okay. And then we opened a wine bar, a natural wine bar called Anfora that had oh. a, a minor food program. Um, and then we opened another restaurant in the East Village called La Picho. So why so come why, here? Yeah, why come here? So I'm from Northern Virginia. I grew up in the D.C. area. And living in New York City, we love New York City. We love our New York family. We started having children. And mm-hmm. having kids in New York City can be a bit challenging. There was yes. something about having the fourth floor walk-up. Having children can be a bit challenging. Mm-hmm. True. With two toddlers. I don't know. I hit my breaking point. And schools point. alone. I mean, just navigating well, school, the school system is really uh, I, I, School might have actually been the, the thing that really uh, broke us. Was mm-hmm. uh I mean, at, at some point in time, yeah, we, we're going to have to go so deep into Queens um, to to get our, our kid to, to to a school that he could get all into. All right, let, let me bring you all back to Thompson Italian. Right. Because yeah. we're well, going to run out we of doing. time. So talk about the menu. Talk about your your pasta program, all of that. Well, and why Italian? Um, that, I, I don't know. I mean, we both fell in love with the food. I, we love the way, the you simplicity of Mario Batali, didn't you? Yeah, that's Del Posto. That? Right. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, yep, yep. Um, and all of our restaurants in New York were Italian. Yeah. It's what we know and love. Is it regional or is it universal Italian? It's our own style of Italian. What does that um, mean? Italo-American Italian? Sort of. It's not It's not even traditionally America, Italian-American. It's kind of our in pers- our, our interpretation of, of what we think Italian is. And that's a lot of the reason why we used our, our family name that's not at all Italian. It didn't give it a crazy Italian name because we didn't want people to come into it thinking that it was going to be a mm-hmm. traditional Italian restaurant or a regional Italian restaurant. We wanted everyone to know that it's kind of our take on, on what right. we think. So, so what does that menu. look like? What does that look like for people who haven't you know, been yet? Um, it's, it's using, it's using um, lo- local ingredients, like the, which is very Italian. Couldn't be more Italian than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but being inspired by, being more inspired by ingredients than by traditional um, dishes, 
but using those ingredients and saying, oh, why don't we make this into a cacio e pepe or why don't we make this into, oh, I love it. you know, th- th- those kinds of things. Like I-, I would would love to, you know, we've made uh, a, a, a ragu out of um, a uh, coco vin, which is a French thing, but at mm-hmm. the same time it's like braise it, pick it. It becomes it's a, a sauce, sauce yes. for, a, for a noodle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just kind of, whatever we want to do, we kind of throw the, the rule book out the window. And we talk is... about, I'm sorry, can we talk about what you brought in today? Oh, sure. This is, um, crazy. This I, is from the so, pastry program. Yeah. Gabe manages the savory side, although I get a little bossy with that too. And mm-hmm. he's pasta obsessed, whereas I'm dessert obsessed. Mm-hmm. So today I brought an olive oil cake with creme fraiche mousse it's and raisin marmalade. It's got some Malden salt on top to mm-hmm. kind of enhance the savoriness of it. And there are plates around. Everybody should dig it. You can in. tell I don't yep. like it. Yeah, yeah I mean, no. it's that diet's out the window, right? <laughs> it's um, really delicious. <laughs> yeah, let's put some nano salad. Then it makes it healthy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's got olive oil. We're all in yeah. a good place. I'm going to try it. Yeah. This is the test for nano salad. Leave these poor guys alone. If it screws up the cake, I'll let you know. Okay. Let's see. Let's That's see. amazing. So you have a, a strong pastry program, a strong pasta program. What about the wine program? How'd you guys facilitate that? We we wanted to. Do you want to talk about it? Uh, sure. So I, um, our lovely uh, general manager, Casey Hamilton. She's a rock star. She comes from the Roses Luxury Group mm-hmm. world. She's managing our beverage program, but we are um, focusing on Italian wines, um, a lot of female wine producers, a lot of organic wines, wines that we think are absolutely delicious, but we're also in Falls Church, Virginia. We're in a suburb, so we're trying to keep... Um, the price, uh, right? Exactly. We well, don't want to break so the So you guys had a natural wine, sh- you know, a focus on natural wines before. Are you finding that that's something that people are looking for at this restaurant? Sometimes. Sometimes, I mean, yes. Not always. Because I think more natural wines are tough. Yeah. It, I mean, education-wise, they're well, I tough. I think people think wine is natural, period. But it's you not. Know, yeah. It's not. Yeah. No, right. a naturally produced wine will will taste funky and be weird. And, and, and so sometimes we find those wines and we taste them like, oh, my God, I would love to have this on the list. I don't. I don't think you don't know if right you can sell it, right? Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. the right for the list. We're trying to make the list be as approachable as possible so mm-hmm. that, you know, approachable flavor profiles. And it gets complicated because a lot of natural wines are natural but haven't gone through the labeling as such. Of course. All right, well, let's make sure everybody knows exactly where Thompson's Italian is. Please. Um, it's on 124 North Washington Street in mm-hmm. Falls Church, our website, thompsonitalian.com. We do take reservations, but we also hold a lot of seats back for are you Are you open at lunch or just dinner? Just dinner right now. Uh, closed on Tuesdays, but we will be open seven days in December. Correct. Right? Yep. And then um, we'll be launching brunch in the new year. Excellent. All right. right, We'll keep us posted. Thank you so much for coming in. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Beauty and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. Welcome back to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to the show, I just want to thank our sponsors, ProFish, Meat Crafters, Central Farm Markets, and our new sponsors, Mirabelle, a fabulous restaurant right near the White House, and Cafe Liberté, which is opening up in Georgetown shortly. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Meredith, Nikki wants to get uh, it. Right. You launched your distillery Mm -hmm. after like changing the laws and making it all happen because you're a power boss. A young go-getter. And then how did you decide, because you you offer so much now, what was your first product and then how did you add to it? Yeah, so we have a very unwieldy portfolio. We started with just two products 10 years ago, though, a wheat whiskey and a rye whiskey. Mm -hmm. And we have always made everything from scratch. We don't buy bulk spirits. That's one of the things we sort of have held true to from day one. And that meant that for the first couple of years, we were selling white whiskey, which is a very difficult sell. I bet. But People we, are like, what is what this? What the heck is going on? Right. 
So <laughs> we worked through those first two years, and it forced us to really sharpen our marketing <laughs> pens and um, you know really talk through education with people. But since that time, we have a very strong discipline around innovation built into the distillery. Mm-hmm. So we do what we call fast cycle products where they are whims. They come and they go, and they are generally internally driven by our own passions or interests, our team's passions and like interests. Like, for example? Um, for example— What's your favorite whim, Alex, that we've done recently? Pick. Roasty. So it was a collaboration with a local brewery Mm -hmm. um, where we took their mash bill for their um, beer. It was based on uh, obviously a lot of malt, so chocolatey malt going in. Mm -hmm. We created a a spirit out of it, a whiskey out of it. Um, and there's really, it's a pretty it unusual like it for an American And then whiskey. it wasn't. And then it goes away. Makes sense. All right, what are you pouring next? So we have another collaboration right now. This one's called Rudolph. It's a holiday release. Mm-hmm. We work with Great <laughs> Lakes Brewing in mm-hmm. Cleveland, Ohio on this, which is a phenomenal. I know Great Lakes Brewing. Okay. Really led craft beer for um, many, many years. Uh, they have a Christmas ale that is a beloved uh, beer that they produce. We partnered with them and put a whiskey that we built around their Christmas ale then into their Christmas ale barrels for aging. So you'll get some really nice cinnamon holiday uh, spice. Right. I mean, right. Pass of, that around. Instead of Rudolph, you should have you should have named it Call an Uber. My okay. God. <laughs> wow. Silly. All okay. right. So. Now we're going to get Thoughty and Brainy. Mm-hmm. Gordon Lamborn is the VP of Communications at the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation. That's a mouthful. But Gordon, welcome. Why don't you tell everybody what uh, you know the the NRAEF's mission is, and then we can talk about the ProStart program. Well, thanks for having me on this thanks morning. And uh, I can't remember the last radio show I was on where I had a cocktail. And- First a couple thing in the cocktails, morning. not it, just that's one. That's because yeah, there never was one. Right. That's I, you... I mean, that, that's, that's a whole new level for <laughs> right. me. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's great to be here on behalf of the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation. It is a mouthful. It is a mouthful. But uh, we do a lot of great things. So it, it's worth every word. Um, our mission really is all about, and we're a nonprofit, is um, really attracting, empowering, and, and advancing the next generation of restaurant talent and leaders. And we've got a number of programs that we do that with. And uh, it's an exciting thing. I've, I've been in the hospitality restaurant industry for over 38 years. And uh, this is a new job for me, but I'm incredibly impressed with the programs we run and offer to people from all over the country, all backgrounds, uh, from the high school level all the way through the military. Um, we, well, but so what is the mission? Because, I, you know, right now, not just – in the D.C. market, because you're in D.C., but nationally, there is a hospitality need, right? So servers, sues, GMs, right. AGMs. So, right. there, you know, right with, now, the, with the growth, yeah, do you know right, what I mean? We just don't have the, the, the bodies. The bodies. Yeah, right now, there's approximately a million unfilled jobs wow. in the restaurant and hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that number is expected to go up. Mm-hmm. And you know some of the fine folks you've had on the show this morning, you know that's testament of the growth of the industry. Um, and, and it's an amazing industry that it changes literally every day. But it needs people, despite all the innovation and things that are coming online. Um, people are still the driving force behind the restaurant uh, business and industry. And that's where we really come in. And 
And I mentioned one program um, we have here. Uh, we just launched in Washington, D.C. at two high schools, our ProStart program. Mm-hmm. It's one of our most well-known uh, programs, about 150,000 high school students across the country at about 1,900 schools. We just introduced the program here in D.C. to Roosevelt High and Blue High School. So what is the program? So the program is a, a two-year culinary arts and mm-hmm. restaurant management uh, training program. And it, it's not home ec, trust me. It's way above that. And like I said, I worked in the industry for a long time. And on the culinary arts side of the program, these students um, are trained by some of the best in the business. A lot of the t- teachers come out of the restaurant business. And uh, on the management side, they actually develop and create concepts for restaurants, menus, uh, food science, mm-hmm. y- you name it. Any they, part are of they the teaching restaurant business math too, all of that? Everything, everything on how to run a restaurant. These kids come out of high school, a lot of them go on to, to college and, and culinary schools, CIA, others, um, mm-hmm. Johnson Wales, but they're ready to go to work. And, uh, and their talent um, is very impressive. Each year we have a big competition. And we're super excited because it's going to be in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year at the Hilton. It'll be a three-day competition. The top students from every state, and these are teams, you know, four to five students um, who have won their state competition come mm-hmm. to the Nationals, compete in culinary arts, and then they do their restaurant management presentation. And these are to some of the top judges in the world. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the, the list of judges. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, want the list to call some well, of them off? Yeah, I mean, we, we have, um, you know, we've had Ted Allen uh, come to the to the mm-hmm. competition. Uh, we've got big supporters, ambassadors for ProStar, Guy Fieri, Carla Hall, uh, Chef Jerome from the African American Museum was sure. with us last year. Well, this year you've year. got Rose Previtt, you've got yeah. Kwame. I mean, Kwame. every single one of those people... Yeah. Has yeah, been in so studio. I mean, they're all they're amazing. pumped up about the program, and it's um, it's getting more and more traction, and uh, and they're great ambassadors for us. But uh, at this competition, which I would encourage everybody to come check out, it's 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 next May, the first mm-hmm. weekend weekend in May. Um, they on the culinary arts side, they have about sixty minutes to produce a full full dinner, mm-hmm. uh, entree, uh, appetizer, dessert, the whole package. And then uh, those are presented and judged, and uh, and then the winners of those competitions receive scholarship money. We gave out about two hundred grand last year. Amazing. Um, and in terms of scholarships, we'll offer to the general public, anyone trying to pursue uh, education and training in restaurants, uh, food service. Um, we do about uh, just under a million dollars a year in scholarships. This year we did eight hundred. So people can apply. 000. Students can apply? Anybody can apply. Students, mm-hmm. um, teachers, educators who want to progress and develop their skills. And uh, and that's money that that our supporters and our donors um, generously provide you know, so we can give that out. So what kind of partnerships do you do as a way to educate people about the needs for the hospitality? I mean, how do you... I mean, I know I know because my phone is buzzing all day, every day, like, who do you know? What do you know? I need a GM. I need an AGM. I need a server. Who do you know? And, find, and you know, and a Sue, like people back of the house, front of the house, everybody's looking. So how does, the, uh, does your organization work with the need that's out there? Yeah, I think what our job really is, is we're, we're opening the door to mm-hmm. people to understand that it's not just, you know, one or two or three jobs in a restaurant. We give them the full 
pathway to explore because a lot of people want to get in. You know, one in three Americans have worked in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, So everybody's had a taste of the business, but they go on to do other things or it wasn't for them or, you know, it's not for everybody. And a lot of that's due to the fact that they don't understand all the different career paths you can take in this business. And so our job is to explain that and let people explore what's available to them. We have career pathing tools that they can access. We have um, 60 different positions mm-hmm. uh, within the restaurant industry that you can check out and find something that's right for you. So you don't always have to be working in the kitchen. You don't have to be serving. You don't have to be front, back, whatever. Uh, you can be in accounting and finance. You can be in development, franchising, uh, interior design, food science, nutrition, uh, mm-hmm. all these things come into play. And that's what we try to do is showcase that to as big an audience of people as possible. And one of the things we've just started, we just launched, we got a $4.5 million grant uh, from the U.S. Department of Labor to um, be part of their reentry program. So now we're taking programs like ProStart mm-hmm. and training um, into uh, prisons. Excellent. Um, we're also talking to people Um, involved in the justice system, young people in particular, Mm -hmm. working with community-based organizations. We work here with uh, D.C. Central Kitchen. Uh, We're launching a pilot in Boston, uh, Richmond, and um, I think we also have one in Chicago. And that's where we'll be able to, you know, really help these folks out with a second chance and and maybe get a job and and work in the restaurant. Which is a lofty and worthy goal. I hate to stop. We've got to move on, but give the website, please, so people can find out about the competition and learn more about ProStar. Yeah, again, we'd love to have you come to the competition, check it out. Um, Go to chooserestaurants.org. Great. Thank you. Thanks Thanks. so much, Gordon. Thank you. Thank you. Jenna. Yes. Hi, Jenna. Here I am. Let's talk Mana. Let's talk lots of things. Um, you're director of programs at Mana Food Center in Montgomery County. Um, uh, we've had Mana on the show, and we've talked about a lot of fundraisers for it, but you've got something really fun coming well, up. before we talk about what's coming up, why don't we talk about what Mana well, is? Well, d- before you <laughs> I mean, condescend to me, let <laughs> okay. me get I mean, through my intro. Knows. I know. It's so first... Give everybody the 411 on mana. Yeah, let me just first say that I am Italian, whether that gives me any points, because I didn't Bravissima. bring dessert or alcohol, Good. so I've got to put something to the table. Yes. Girl. Um, mana Food Center is the central food assistance organization in Montgomery County, so mm-hmm. we are providing food to the community. We're also advocating for food security in Montgomery County and also providing food education. And so how do you guys interact within the community? Well, we interact in a very collaborative way. I would say that actually Central Farm Markets, if I could shout them out again, they're one of our most valued partners. Mm -hmm. We work with them very closely. So we work with farms and farmers markets, grocery stores. We work with the faith-based community, public volunteers um, to, you know, share good food in welcoming spaces is kind of our tagline. And a Mm -hmm. lot of that food is rescued food that would otherwise be wasted and it shouldn't be. It's perfectly good and safe for people to eat. So well, before we, we go to commercial, rescued food is basically a peach with a bruise on it that might not be sold at retail. Yeah, it can be exactly bruised or imperfect in some way, or maybe it's getting close to the arbitrary date that we put on food products that we um, don't really understand. They don't really have a lot of meaning in terms of safety, but mm-hmm. we so it, it creates a lot of unnecessary waste. Okay, so when we come back from the commercial break, we'll talk about this event that you're doing as a way to educate the public. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Again, special thanks to ProFish, Meat Crafters, Central Farm Markets, Mirabelle, Cafe Liberté for sponsoring the show. So, mm-hmm. Jenna, let's get back to you and Mana. What kind of foods do you collect? What's yeah. the sort of universe of... 
It's pretty broad, and we actually uh, have the program Community Food Rescue that allows us to recover food that even we specifically as an organization may not give out. So we work with primarily grocery stores to get our food, but we work through Community Food Rescue and this software application called Chow Match. Mm-hmm. We can work with farmers, we work with restaurants, we work with caterers, we work with wholesalers, really anyone who's a licensed food service business. They can sign up on this app and in real time set up a what we call a food run. So when they right, have so they're food like, available. I have all this chicken. Exactly. Like we just had a catering it. event. We've got um, trays of chicken that were never served to the public, but they're and they're perfectly good. And it can be late at night. It can be early in the morning. It can be on a mm-hmm. Saturday. It doesn't matter. They put out the food run, and then it actually goes out via text to a group of food runners, volunteers in the community who mm-hmm. offer to go pick up the food from point Because that's always a. been one of the biggest problems exactly. was getting it. Right? is a real hard, um, it's a real challenge for organizations like ours. Mm-hmm. And so we utilize the power of the community and people go to point A, the restaurant, say, and they can pick up that, that food and bring it to a recipient organization that can get it. That's what I was going to ask. You know, how does, how does, how does an individual citizen, consumer, get involved. So you need bodies to go pick up the food. Absolutely. The easiest way is just to go to our website. Um, I'll highlight mocofoodrescueweek.org. So there you can find out about the specific events we're doing this week to raise awareness, Mm -hmm. but also get connected to um, ways to volunteer, become a food runner. So perfect segue. What are the events you're doing to sort of yeah, bring awareness. We've, we've got events all week. Um, they are a gleaning event at a local orchard, Butler's mm-hmm. Orchard. Explain what gleaning is because yes, not everybody sure. knows. So gleaning is a process by which you collect essentially the food that was not harvested. Right. Um, stuff on know, the ground, surplus, like the apples on the, on the ground. ground. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, or most recently this year, it was there was a freak hailstorm that damaged a lot of the apples. So we mobilized our volunteers to go out there and collect hundreds of pounds of apples mm-hmm. that we then um, will cook in our – we have a kitchen – that we use, and we're actually going to be doing that as one of our events. We'll cook those apples, and we'll be sampling the items that we cook at some of the other events, like our No Waste Big Taste competition coming up this week. So let's talk about let's that. Talk about that. Yeah. So it is. We've been doing it a couple of years. It's a really exciting event where we bring local celebrity chefs together, and they are tasked with the challenge of using recovered food items or imperfect uh, imperfect produce that's donated from some of the local farms. Mm-hmm. And they get, you know, 25 minutes to prepare an appetizer and then 30 minutes to prepare an entree. And we judge them then based on how delicious everything is, how it looks, and also how much of the recovered foods they were able to use. So what is the kind of recovered foods that's given to them? Are we talking about like banged up tomatoes or what What are we looking yeah, at? Yeah, it can be a mix. So it is like that we were talking about earlier, that bruise, those seconds that you might see at a farm market stand uh-huh. would be part of it. But also this year we're using some ingredients that have come from Mana's warehouse. So things that people have donated. And we've gotten some strange things over the years. I've worked at Mana for eight years. I've seen things as odd as canned reindeer meat. Yeah, um, that's odd. Come through. Exactly. Oh, we call that Rudolph. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe you should tell so, right. Maybe you should um, talk to Mary. Comes with a bottle of whiskey. Yes. <laughs> but I think largely we're focusing on not bizarre items like that, but things that the average person would have in their fridge. They, they've used some of. Mm-hmm. And then throw it in that container in the fridge that you never look at again. Like right. the tomato paste you used a tablespoon of, but then uh, it sits in the back of the fridge and grows mold until you remember that it's been there. Mm-hmm. I, I, and so I, how to use those um, ingredients. And I think yeah. a great idea would be to find somebody who's very generous out in Mo- Montgomery County to donate a bunch of nano salad. Right. That would, As a way that would to make a really interesting surprise Right. I mean, it, right. you know. <laughs> exactly. Well. Just yeah. trying to make marriages here. You know <laughs> I how appreciate that is. it. 
So uh, when is the event? Yeah, it's happening on Saturday, October 26th. It's at 11 o'clock, and it's down at the Fresh Farm Market in downtown Silver Spring there on Ellsworth Drive. And it's an actual, like, there's a stage and... Absolutely. Yeah, there's a stage. We're having a chef from Plant Burger, the new Plant Burger that just opened yeah, up. Yeah, we just had... Whole Foods. Like yeah, we just had Chef Lacayo. And then mm-hmm. we're having Chef Jim Drost, who's the director of culinary operations at Matchbox, and there they'll be going head to head. Great, cool. How All much right. fun! Well, we, and give Mana's uh, um, uh, web address too. Yeah, it's manafood.org. Okay, okay great. All right, so everybody, pay attention Thank to the you, events Jenna. going Thank on you. this week. There's lots of good ways for people who talk about being sustainable or um, really working within the community as a way to give back. This is an incredible way to do it. Um, so thanks so much for coming Absolutely. in. All, All right, right. So, Meredith. Meredith, so uh, I, I want to ask this question because we had uh, Scott and Becky Harris on a couple of weeks ago. And it's, I mean, you guys sort of poo-pooed it, but they're not a lot of women yet distillers. I mean, the, the percentage of women distillers has got to be. We didn't poo-poo it. We just said that's not a I completely accurate statement. poo-poo. No, I said, <laughs> um, I said we both perhaps. said that's but, changing. But I mean, so, so in terms of when you got started, particularly when you were trying to sell your 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 product were you faced with people going yeah you know with any skepticism there yeah i mean certainly whiskey when we started was still thought of as like when you said whiskey it was like an older guy on a leather couch smoking a cigar alone that's who drank whiskey our audience do you have a camera in our house (laughs) was i in my boxer shorts and my (laughs) sleeveless t-shirt but that's largely because the whiskey industry had neglected most of the population for decades true so Our consumers are evenly split, exactly evenly split between men and women, and they are far younger than um, anyone. That's a big millennial thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone might have expected. Yes. Um, So the first whiskey conference I went to was at like you know a Hilton or something like that, a convention hotel. The dinner entertainment was a strip show. Oh my god! (laughs) We have come a long way from that. Oh my god! I remember you you from the front row. I'm so embarrassed. Well, I was I was not done with my dinner, and so it was this fairly embarrassing situation where I had to decide if I was going to leave the room. Now you got to prove you're one of the guys. (laughs) Not anymore. There's no let the guys prove they're one of the women. That's right. So, but it's a very different world. It's a very different world now. There are so many women, so many incredible women, including Becky from Catoctin Mm -hmm. Industry, um, that it, it feels nothing like that anymore. Well, that's good to hear. So now you venture off of whiskey. Yeah. You incorporate all these other products, um, and you do these one-offs. And we were just talking off-air about the one you're going to be pouring next. Yeah, so we actually bought our, brat, uh, our apple brandy. Mm-hmm. Um, we make we have a sister cider company as well, and we make both apple um, ciders and brandies and pomos from rescued fruit, from <laughs> rescued apples, so much in the vein of what Jenna I was just talking about. Actually. Yeah, and what's cool about this rescued apples is they come generally from crab apple trees, which are the most beautiful apples to make cider and alcohol from. Are they really? Because I think most cra- people yes. think crab apples are like fake apples. They don't like, know what to do with them, right? Because they have, have a crab bitter. apple tree, that big tree in the backyard, it's crab apple. Okay. Totally, but these are the best apples to make alcohol out of because they have the tannic structure that you want in a mm. beautiful fermented or distilled we'll beverage. So, no, we're not going to make whiskey. Um, we are, we, when we get a load of crab apples or other um uh, apples from our community, it is the biggest gift because most of the apples that are available to us to make alcohol out of are culinary apples or dessert apples, the grocery store apples we're all used to. And that doesn't make the most ideal right. um, alcohol. Interesting. That's wild. All right. Well, we are almost done with the show. So tell everybody where they can find you and just give a quick shout out. Meredith is going to be on Industry Night with me tomorrow. 
uh, with two other guests where we'll really get into the Whiskey Rebellion Tour and what it is and how you can participate in it. But if you can just give the link to that and where they can find Wiggle Whiskey, because you have multiple places to visit in Pittsburgh. Yeah, we have five locations in Pittsburgh, including the Pittsburgh airport. So if you're just passing through, you can <laughs> just stop by. Grab a bottle. Um, you can get cranked and yeah, get on right. a plane. Wiggle All Whiskey. The pilots are there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wigglewhiskey.com. Wiggle with one G. We know it's spelled wrong. It's the way it is. Wigglewhiskey with one G.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whiskeyrebellionTrail.com mm-hmm. is the other website if you want to look at passports, including DC's passports for the trail. I've been on it. It's fabulous. All right. So it's time to wrap up the show. Everything you heard about today on the show, you can find more info on Nikki's website, thelistareyouwantit.com. Follow her on Instagram. Follow her on Twitter. And uh, just to be sure, if you want to listen to Meredith and Nikki tomorrow, uh, you'll find this, that show on fullserviceradio.org. Mm-hmm. We're live at 5 o'clock, but of course you can always download that show and this show to hear everything that's going on um, on both. And that's it. Okay, so before we end the show, we do want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. It is always delicious and nutritious, especially today. Um, Is whiskey nutritious? Whiskey is, oh my God, are you kidding? It's so good for you. Um, (laughs) And we want to also talk about uh, next week's show, which is going to be terrific. Todd English is going to be in studio He's got a bunch of stuff that he's pushing here in D.C., so we'll be chatting with him. You can always follow me at Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm always around town uh, putting out all the delicious things I'm eating. Uh, You can tune in here at Foodie and the Beast and, of course, on Industry Night and catch me later this week on WTOP Radio. I've got the latest and greatest that's going on in the uh, D.C. restaurant scene. So thank you again to everybody in studio and everybody else. Have a delicious week.